Hi there, and welcome to the Your House, Your Home podcast, where we are looking at every effort to make your house and take it and learn from people on how to turn it into your home. We're going to be discussing everything from actual products in your home to services that can help and even things that will increase the value of your home. So all things discussed are the opinions of myself and my guests, and we're not endorsing any products or brands unless otherwise noted. As I have said in the past, if somebody wants to write us a million-dollar check, we'll be more than happy to talk about their business every week. So with that, let's uh, get into it. So again, housekeeping, if you've got questions for us, if you'd like information, we'll be more than happy to provide that back. So you can contact us through our email account, which is the number four, your house, your home at gmail.com. So again, for your house, your home at gmail.com, please uh, send us an email with further questions for some of our guests. Uh, questions about the show, ideas, or things that you'd like to hear about your home. So with that, uh, I will say hello to Katie Ross with Remax Associates. How are you? Hi, how's it going? I'm wonderful. How are you today? I'm doing very well. We are upping the technology this week to include someone via the phone, which I have never done before. So hopefully the equipment is going to be working correctly. And so with that, Tracy Wiggins with Alamo Real Pro. Are you there? I certainly am, all the way from France. Yeah, yeah, you're on your world tour and currently in Paris, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, eat some pizza for me tonight. And then... Cheese and baguettes. (laughs) There you go. Baguettes (laughs) is is just as well. Uh, Have some vino. Yeah, some vino, vino. Yeah, some of that adult beverage stuff. Yeah. Well, everyone, our guest this week is, uh, again, I always like to refer, go to Wikipedia, look up Rockstar, and these people's names are right there. And Daniel Esparza with MD Air Conditioning and Heating is our guest on this particular podcast. So needless to say, we're going to be talking about anything and everything in your house how to make it into your home about AC, heating, and everything that goes along with it. So with that, welcome, Daniel. How are you today? Doing great. Beautiful awesome. day today. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, fall is not quite here yet because I think it's still in the 90s or something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, winter hasn't quite set in yet, but that's going to be some of the things that we're going to be talking about. So, But... Fake fall is coming. Fake fall. <laughs> yeah, that's where it just fakes you out for a day or two, and then it goes right back to being 90s. That, yeah. Uh, for those of you not familiar with South Texas, we really don't have a winter per se. Uh, every now and then we'll get teased with some freezing temperatures, but very seldom do we ever get anything considered real cold, or we very seldom will see the white stuff here, so... Well, you also don't have to shovel sunshine, so that's why we live here. <laughs> yes, good, good point. This is good what point. we call layer season, right, Katie? That's Lots right. Of layers. You layer Just in the layers. morning so you can survive the freezing temperatures under 60, and then you take them off by the <laughs> afternoon when it goes back up to 90. Uh, absolutely. So, Daniel, uh, just a little bit of history on yourself. How did you get into the, the business, and how long have you been in the business? Oh, good Lord. Um <laughs> I guess I've been in the air conditioning business for at least 40 years, 40 plus years. Um, 
I started when my dad retired from the military. I was his helper as he started into it, and I just kind of picked it up. It's kind of like Forrest Gump, just kept going with it, just <laughs> kept running with it. Kept running. Yep. So uh, <laughs> what what got you interested in it to begin with? I just enjoy the work. You know, um, I can't stay inside, so I'm always outside person. So you know, that's just what we do. And from uh, an HVAC, just uh, for full disclosure here, Daniel is my particular HVAC company person. He takes care of not only the air conditioners here at the world headquarters of Your House, Your Home podcast, but he also takes care of my uh, the air conditioners at my residence. And there's a whole story about that, but uh, uh, the number of units that I have in my residence, but uh, we'll save that for another day. But uh, you've been taking care of ours, and when I say taking care of, and this is something that you and I talk about a lot, what taking care of equates to what? Well, consider it kind of like your, your automobile. You know, you wouldn't drive your car or truck or whatever, you know, 40,000 miles without doing a little bit of maintenance and tune up on it. And that's pretty much what we do. You know, we'll come out, uh, service the unit, clean it, check it, make sure it's just operating the way it was designed to. You've got to do that every now and then. I'm the same way with uh, in the appliance industry. Maintenance is key. You know, that's what is going to make your appliances last a long time. So um, if maintenance and everything is done correctly and done often, and how many times a year should maintenance be done on your AC? Well, here in South Texas and also with the manufacturers, they recommend at least twice a year on the residential products. Uh, Some of the commercial may be a little bit more often, um, but for the most part, just twice a year. Is that different in different areas of the country? Uh, It can be. Up north would be probably a little bit different. Yeah, you know, because the heating's more prominent up there than the air conditioning. Yeah, we don't suffer with that. No, we don't have that issue too much here. Yeah, uh, I know that uh, when you come out and you do the yearly uh, maintenance, both in the spring and the fall, uh, you know, it, it's something that I've always thought of. Uh, I'm always surprised by how long it takes. And by that is, is that, you know, it's not just something that you can go in and get out in 10 minutes. I mean, there's more to it than that, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's probably someone who thinks they can do it that way, um, but they're not really going to be thorough enough. There's a lot to check. There's a lot of moving components. People don't realize it. Uh, Not only are we, you know, AC uh, technicians, we have to be electricians. We have to be plumbers. Uh, We have to understand the, you know, the science of the refrigerants. Uh, so there's a lot more to it than just a simple, you know, put your gauges on it and uh, take a couple of air temperatures. Absolutely. There's a lot to it. I know in the uh, wintertime, that's the one that always gets me is that I want to make sure that that's done because, as we've talked about here in South Texas, the AC is what runs most of the time. But I know that the heaters are the ones that can be dangerous if they're not running correctly. So, I mean, give us a little bit of information about that. Sure, absolutely. Well, here in South Texas, if the air conditioner stops working, you're just going to get grumpy. Oh, no, it's not grumpy. It's downright ticked off. (laughs) You might might get a little irritated or something. But if the heater fails or the venting system on the heater fails, it it could be harmful. And um, especially with the gas products, now the manufacturers uh, have improved the efficiency of the furnaces. And also a lot of the safety features on the heaters. 
Um, but it's the venting system that really causes the issue. Um, you know, you could put in a brand new furnace, you know, make sure it's installed properly, but if it's not vented correctly, or if you have a roof replaced and that vent get knocked, knocked, knocked loose, um, then that could be an issue. And that's where the, the dangers come in. And what are some of the symptoms of, you're talking carbon monoxide, correct? Uh, yes, ma'am. So what are some of the symptoms of carbon monoxide issues? Well, other than the... Like health symptoms. Yeah, you'll get lightheaded, dizziness, nausea, and, you know, they call that the silent killer. Right. So you really don't know what's happening until it's almost too late. Right. Um, so it's, you know, just imperative that you really have your gas system serviced at least you know, every year before it's serviced, before it starts up. And I've heard differing opinions about carbon monoxide detectors. Where should they be installed? Outside each bedroom, just like the smoke detectors. On and the it, ceiling or towards the floor? What Does both, it matter? Actually, carbon monoxide is heavier than air, okay. so the floor would be a preference. Okay. But most of the ones we see around here are still the on the ceiling. ceiling. Yeah. Okay. The uh, carbon monoxide issue is a big one, uh, and I'm just curious, Daniel, do you find... Uh, do you do you and your techs find a lot of issues with that here in San Antonio when you do these maintenance checks? Sometimes we do. There you go. Uh, sometimes we do. It just really depends. Um, if you're on a regular maintenance plan and we go out those several times, you know, we'll, we don't have issues. But if it's a first-time customer, we're going to take a little bit of extra time because we not we're not familiar with the equipment or the installation, so we're going to take extra time to make sure that the venting, especially, is, is done correctly. Um, also, you know, rainstorms, hailstorms. When you have your roof replaced, even though you're our customer, we've had several where we've gone back after the roof is replaced and the the vent has been knocked off. Not only on our gas furnaces, but also on the water heater equipment as well. Right, and I think that's something that most people don't think about. Uh, South Texas is known for hailstorms, so every couple years we get a nice whopper of a hailstorm and a lot of roofs get replaced. Mm -hmm. And my suggestion at the end of having a roof replaced is always have somebody back out to check the vents that are in your attic and make sure they're all connected correctly because roofers don't go in the attic after they're no, done. No, they do not. Yeah, that was going to be my comment is, is that the only way you can really tell would be to be in the attic, and I know roofers don't climb into attics. They just stay on top of the roof. Right, right. Um, carbon monoxide. Daniel. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Trace. Yeah, Tracy. No, I was just going to kind of piggybacking on that a little bit. Um, you're talking about stuff like that being best practice. Like, you know, make sure you call somebody in to do that. Are there any other things that you think would be best practice for people to follow besides just a roof when um, things are done to call you guys back out just to make sure that things are working properly? Are there any other times that like we're talking about a health floor now, but what other times would be good? She's asking if there's another time, any other home events that happened that would be a good time to have you back out again after something else was done. So, like, when the roof is done, have you all come back out and check? Is there anything else? If you have something replaced, you should have them checked. Water heater would be one that yeah, comes to mind. Water heater would be one, absolutely. And sometimes we find people store luggage, Christmas decorations, all kind of other things. in their, Tchotchkes. Oh, everything else up in their attic. And sometimes they can knock some stuff loose. Um, but... For the most part, it's common sense stuff. It's not difficult to see if something's connected or not. Mm -hmm. um, but if something does change drastically, then, yeah, I would have a licensed professional come out and do an inspection on it. 
I know some of the older ones I don't think do, but on the newer designed of heaters, do they actually have some sort of an audible alarm if something goes out of out of whack or out of parameter on that? Not as far as the carbon monoxide on the uh, on the furnace itself, but they do have a bunch of safeties if the vent pipe is not uh, if it's plugged up, for example, they do have uh, safety switches that will prevent the unit from running and that'll just shut down. It won't give you an alarm. It'll just stop working. I know that uh, you installed some of those floats for us in our home several years ago uh, about water uh, on the air conditioner that if the condensation built up and then, you know, before it would overflow and cause damage, uh, you know, there, there's a float switch that you can install to turn the units on and then basically your house just gets hot and you call Daniel and say, my house is hot, come fix it. Well, it's designed that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so uh, what? I'm kind of jumping ahead here just a little bit, but since we're talking about safety and we're talking about units being turned off, et cetera, et cetera, what are you seeing in terms of uh, the newer uh, thermostats and artificial intelligence that are coming into homes nowadays? You know, you can run your thermostat, Tracy can turn hers on and off from Paris, France tonight, uh, you know, just by having a connection to the Internet. So what are you seeing uh, both as a functional and a safety that's coming in that artificial intelligence side? Well, it's really a fight for the wall space in different industries. Uh, I know a lot of the alarm companies want that thermostat so they can hook up to their to their unit, to their alarms, to their doors, and, and a bunch of other stuff. There's a little bit of a battle there. Uh, I personally don't like anyone putting a thermostat that is going to operate a furnace, you know, connect to the alarm unless they're licensed to do that part. Um, as far as the safety, really, um, they do make the unit run more efficient. And again, there some systems are designed for specific thermostats, so a lot of the they're not just interchangeable. So they have right. to, some of them are designed for a communicating system. For example, the standard thermostat from Home Depot or Lowe's is not going to replace that. So there's those issues as well. So not all thar- uh, smart thermostats are, are the same. Are the same and they're not all compatible, compatible with different units because mm-hmm. I ran into that. I changed out to a smart thermostat at our, ho- our uh, Airbnb at the coast three days later. It, I mean, it worked fine for three days. 4 a.m. three days later, it was 85 degrees, and I changed it back to the original thermostat, and it worked fine. So it's not necessarily something that does right away, you notice, but it can yeah, it's, slowly decide it doesn't like each other. Yeah. yeah, we've had some issues in the past with different thermostats. And my understanding is some of them don't work compatible enough that they actually do damage to... Is that correct or not? I really haven't seen the damage, but if they're not installed properly, they can uh, burn out like the transformers or fuses on on the circuitry on the the furnaces, yes. Gotcha. Okay. So that's why, guess who installed my smart thermometers, (laughs) or excuse me, thermostats? (laughs) It would be Daniel with MD Air. (laughs) Thanks, Tracy. I appreciate that vote of confidence. But no, it was Daniel. You know, he asked us about that. Um, I don't know, about a year or two ago saying, hey, you know, these thermostats are now available. Are you interested? And we were. And they are very helpful um, 
because sometimes we remember to, you know, set them if we're going to be out of town or if we're going to be away for an extended period. And it's just nice to be able to go in and verify and or check. And then uh, we've also been out of town uh, when we thought the weather was going to do one thing. And then we heard on the radio that it was doing something else. And it was like, oh, I guess maybe we need to have the heater turned on uh, because of one of those rare instances where it might get cold. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, we've been very happy with with our smart thermostats because they they do exactly what they say they're going to do. Well, you could just wait an hour and the weather will change in South Texas. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Maybe so you need a layering. Maybe you need a layering thermostat as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things uh, that I am not looking forward to. Uh, but it's just inevitable at some point. Uh, give us some guidelines, Daniel, about replacing of air conditioners, because I know here in South Texas, we are constantly, almost year-round, we hear ads on the radio from different companies saying, you know, changing out the entire unit. And I've always been interested to know, you know, is there a time frame around that? Is there uh, that you should replace it even if it's still working, but you should replace it? You know, what, what are some of the guidelines people need to think about when they're thinking of replacing their units? Well, there's a lot, lot, lot to consider. Um, the age of the equipment would be number one. And also, since the phase out of R22, which is the Freon, that's no longer produced, that's a consideration. But th- that's going to be on the older equipment. Um, here in South Texas, you can expect about 15 years out of your system, uh, even if it's well-maintained. Um Sometimes the parts will just simply wear out, uh, coils will leak, uh, and sometimes when you get to that point about replacement, you want to start thinking about efficiencies um, because they change you know, every year, and then we're also regulated. You know, the manufacturers are regulated. They have to produce you know, more and more efficient equipment, so that's always changing. So you can, you know, it'd be a big jump in 15 years for a piece of equipment. So what is SEER rating? SEER rating really is... A seasonal seasonal efficiency something ratio energy energy efficiency yeah. ratio, ratio. Yeah. yeah it's just like miles per gallon on the car so the higher the, the, the higher the, the sear the more performance okay the air conditioner is going to do the same you know you once you flip the switch the air conditioner is going to come on and run mm-hmm. it one will just use more electricity than the next okay in south texas heat pumps are common can mm-hmm. you explain how those work well, those work just like the air conditioner and just reversed. Um, on the heat pump system, or on the air conditioner, it's going to remove the heat from the house and blow it outside. On the heat pump, it just reverses the cycle. It, it sends the refrigerant to a different direction. Uh, it's going to put heat in the house. So it has a reversing it valve on it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Gotcha. Um, something I see often in real estate inspections is cracked heat exchangers or exp- uh, they're anticipated cracked heat exchangers from seeing yellow flames is that an indicator well yellow flames means incomplete incomplete combustion that's really something completely different a crack in the heat exchanger or a defective heat exchanger is actually where there's a possibility of your flue gases mixed getting mixed with the air that's being distributed throughout the house which is a safety issue that's a safety that's a no-no yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, a yellow flame is just means something's not on that furnace isn't adjusted properly or cleaned. Good to know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, air conditioners in attics. 
Are you a fan? No. (laughs) (laughs) And you you stare at me with my two that are in the very back of my attic, and your guys are there right now. Oh, they were there this morning, yes. Yeah, we have three in the attic. Again, going back to that story that, uh, you know, about how many air conditionings this house has. (laughs) And, um, you know, I I guess it's the builders that want to try and sell more square feet, perhaps. Right. Um, but it really takes a toll on the units. You know, they're in unconditioned space up there. They're subject to moisture, uh, condensation, um, dust, dirt, yeah. out, out of sight, out of mind. I would say, personally, if I'm building a house, I'm going to have an equipment closet and my water heater is going to be not in my attic because mm-hmm. I've experienced that. Yep. Um, AC I have that on. shirt in the boxes checked yep. there. Yeah, been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to request that there would be an equipment closet where everything lives and it's Absolutely. easy to access and nobody has to army crawl across insulated attic space to get to the units. Yeah. Well, ours aren't quite that bad. They You open a door and you can kind of walk yeah. into where ours are. But His is nice. Yours nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send my guys to go do yours. Yeah, your guys tried to stop me the other day, and he goes, are you sure that's the only place to get up there? I'm like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, positive. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've seen? Oh, good Lord. Um, and I've been Besides my attic. Yeah. Well, I guess one of the strangest things or scariest is you know, we were called to a, to a home where they weren't getting any air out of one of the particular bedrooms. And so once we got up there, there was actually a raccoon still in the duct while we were up there. Oh, no. Yeah, so yeah. when you see a hole in the duct, you go, oh, well, you know, something must have happened, tore, to it, tore through it. So you look around, and then you know, when the duct starts moving, <laughs> it's a little, you're not really sure what's in there. So wow. We've come across that. We've come across snakes up there. Yeah. And, of course, other rodents and squirrels and stuff. So it's every day is a different adventure. Yeah, we've had technicians come across snakes and dryers. So mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's commonplace, but it has been known to happen. But uh, I was going to ask kind of the same thing is, um, you know, in the in the wintertime, uh, animals, small animals, rodents, whatever you want to refer to them as, are looking for a warmer spot than being outside. So heating, ducting, you know, attic the, you know yeah. that they're looking for that in the summertime they go for the water the condensation the right. drain lines so they'll they'll Eat chew, the they'll, they'll chew on the lines yeah to get the water which then can cause a water leak mm-hmm. as well yep seen that yeah. and, and speaking of which for those that don't understand it let's just talk about the condensation and the condensation lines here in san antonio we have hot humid summers and so when the air conditioners are running full blast they're producing a lot of water and when I say a lot of water, Daniel, how much water are they producing? Oh, there's several gallons an hour, easy. And so that water goes where? It really depends on how your house is plumbed. Some of it uh, is connected to your house plumbing. Some of it drains outside on on the ground next to your foundation. But it goes through either a PVC pipe or a black poly pipe. Um, and it's usually gravity flow, so there's not any pressure behind it. So a little bit of stuff could clog it up and you know rodents can eat through the plastic pretty easy and in south texas we don't necessarily want it draining next to the foundation because no. that can also cause that can cause issues. issues with the foundation exactly 
I never really realized how much water an air conditioner could produce until my mother-in-law put a bucket. There's drains out on on the yard or, or outside. And so she got a plastic bucket and put it underneath to water her plants with. She's got a green thumb. And when I looked and then was asking, you know, how often do you have to empty that? Or, you know, what are you, you know, how much is it producing? I I don't know. Again, that's not my area of expertise, but I mean, I guess I was pretty ignorant of just how much water an air conditioner, just a standard regular home air conditioner here in South Texas will produce. And it is gallons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and especially with our humidity here. And it's just, it's really amazing. And there's got to be a way to reuse it somehow. Might yeah. as well capture it and feed some plants. I mean, maybe I know, mine will come back to life. Well, as Daniel was talking about, mine uh, drains into our plumbing. Yeah. You know, so it, it goes into our plumbing. So, uh, you know, that that's where our water goes with the exception of the overflows. And Daniel explained to everybody what those are. But there's two drains on the system. Uh, your primary, which is what captures the first tray of water, I guess, or the, the condensation from the unit. And then there's a safety pan or a safety drain underneath, you know, the, the uh, primary, which is called, we call a secondary or, aux- or auxiliary drain. And what that really, the function of that is, is if your primary backs up or gets clogged up or your pan rusts out, then that water still has to go somewhere. And so it's going to go downhill. Uh, so we slide a pan underneath to cap- capture that, and then we also drain that outside where it's a noticeable area or where it terminates in a notice- noticeable place, either over a door or window. So when that starts dripping, that's an alert that tells you, hey, something's wrong upstairs. It needs attention. Yeah, I know that ours uh, comes out, out on our patio. Uh, so, yeah, if if it ever comes out of those drains, yeah, it not, would be very noticeable yeah, of not, like, wait a minute. That's not where you move your plants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you well, catch it. I've seen oftentimes when out showing houses, there's a rust stain there because water has been in the secondary or in the pan for so long that it has rusted the pan, and that's now what's draining. Uh-huh. And people don't realize that's there for a reason. It's there to alert you. If you see that, turn your unit Do off something. and right. call somebody who can come fix it because there is an issue, and that's there by design. It's not there for plant watering. No, it, it's amazing. A lot of people, they just don't know. It's, yeah. it's unfortunate. And, it's, it's and it does a lot more damage if you let it keep running instead of calling somebody to fix it. Yep. Well, I know. I have a question for you. Um, We've been talking about, like, all this water and then, like, dust and dirt and everything inside the attic. What are some things that you would suggest that we could either install near the unit to kind of keep things either cleaner or um, I know mold can grow sometimes. So what are some things that could be done um, that you could suggest for people? Uh, We don't recommend putting anything in the drain line. And oh, the, nothing, in nothing at all. And the reason for that is any kind of corrosive material, Clorox, vinegar, anything that could have a negative effect on the coils. And it could cause premature failure of the coils just by simply rusting out or eating through the metal. So, you know, just have the drain line serviced. We purge them out. We use nitrogen or CO2. Um, and we just flush them out with warm water. Um, occasionally, we'll have to put a mild... A detergent for odor perhaps but most of the time it's just uh just flushing them 
and you know keeping them clean. I've what always, about when you see mold grow, though? Isn't there like lights or something that can be installed? UV lights. UV oh. lights or. Oh yes. Um, like, she, she say mold. Yeah, she said if you see mildew or mold growing, is there not something that you can install? Oh yeah, I thought she was talking about the drains. Yeah, we moved on. No, the drains were good too. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but she's talking about UV uh, oh, yeah, ab- lights. Absolutely, and stuff. Uh, especially with the stuff that's going on these days. Um, the manufacturers have um, made available uh, UV technology, and it's not something new. It's been used in hospitals for for years. Um, but now the market has changed where they're um, not as expensive as they used to be. So there are ultraviolet lights and um, air sanitizers, I guess, if you want to call them, to help just clean the air that goes through the system. And that will help prevent by killing the bacteria and, and the spores and the, and the microbial growth. I know that uh – you know, this kind of goes back to maintenance again, uh, that uh, filters, uh, you know, what do you recommend for filters and how often should people change them? You know, that's a question we get all the time. And every household's dirty and or have different situations where they've got a lot of traffic going in and out and versus, uh, a, you know, a retired couple who doesn't, you know, go in and out as often. Uh, change them when they're dirty. That's really the, <laughs> that's that's the simple answer. Well, and the smart thermostats remind you every time you walk by. Yeah, have you changed so, me yet? There's a few your, of those. It's your but turn. Those are simply timers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's different medias out there, different filters. Um, we like to use uh, a, a filter media, April Air product, um, and it can go you know six months without having to change it. Again, depending on the household, um, but it's real popular. Um, I've got two of them in my house, and so, I mean, they catch just about everything that goes through Things that will make you change them more is more animals. More animals. Construction in the area. And also location of the filters. If they're lower to the floor, they'll need okay. to be changed more often versus if they were up in the ceiling, you know, things like that. Good to know. I know that um, we change ours, and personal habit, I just always write the date on them when I put them in just so that I can kind of – keep track of you know when i look at them and I, I will tell you that you know we do that a little bit we'll look at them and see uh bec- and the other thing uh is is you know how much use they get again my house has three air conditioners in it which sounds ridiculous but for uh oh, you live in a mansion yeah, <laughs> yeah well one of them does nothing but run the uh entertainment room that's all it does and it's uh you know, as entertainment rooms go, it's not that big and that, but that's all it does. And so that, and that room is upstairs and there's just not a lot of people that go to that room all the time. So we're leaving that filter in a lot longer than the ones downstairs that run all the time, just because, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have the flow through or it doesn't get as dirty because it just doesn't run as much. So. But to be fair, if you're competing with the movie theaters, you have to have it on sub-zero. So. <laughs> true, true. You've got to have it in there to where you've got to have a blanket right. and, uh, you know, hot chocolate when you watch the movie. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, the replacement of your air conditioner. 
I know that I think a lot of people out there, they think that the size of the air conditioner equates to the size of the squarish, roundish looking thing that sits on the side of the house. That the bigger one of those you have, the better or the cooler your house will be. And that's not correct. Absolutely not. Um, The unit has to be sized appropriately for your for your size of your house. And it's, it's not a simply square footage uh, estimation. Uh, we go through what they call a manual J calculation. And we take not only the square footage, but orientation, how many windows, color of the roof, how much insulation is in the walls, size of the windows, um, all those different factors uh, before we can accurately um, determine the size of the air, air conditioner that you need. And so the box size really doesn't matter because there's some you know, a example of a three ton could be the same size as a five ton if the three ton was more efficient. So the higher, again, more efficient units may be a little bit bigger than a standard five ton unit, but the uh, BTUs that you need is going to be determined by the manual J. Okay. And putting more in isn't necessarily Absolute, going to help. Abs- it's actually going to do worse than Absolute. be more efficient yes it you know most people think the bigger the better but it's, yeah, not, it's it, not in this industry right no way it has to run to remove the moisture and if you don't remove the moisture you're just going to feel all clammy it's going to shut off too quick um and you won't be happy with it what about uh damper systems where you have one ac unit but you have two thermostats upstairs and downstairs or uh zoned units i don't know if it's damper units but it has to be sized appropriately yeah um there are some situations where that could be good and where it's not so good okay especially if someone's trying to take a shortcut and just move the air from upstairs to downstairs and because most houses probably should have two units especially if you have upstairs and downstairs i lived in a house that you could stand on the landing of the stairs and it would be a significant 15 degree difference between taking a step down or taking a step up yes and that that was not fun. No, a damper system is, is a little more complicated, and we have to be careful on the volume of air that's being moved in the direction of what you're going to do with the excess of it. Um, because an example, if you have a five-ton unit, you're, you know, should be moving 2,000 CFMs. And if you zone it to where one half of the house gets 1,000, the other half gets another 1,000, well, when only one zone's calling, what are you going to do with the other 1,000? Right. And so, uh, put it in your back pocket for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there's a... There's, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's got to be just designed properly. Ship it to Arizona. That's there what they'd go. like. <laughs> and then I also want you to touch on uh, the... Some would say it's the a new technology. I think they've been around for a while, but I think they're just starting to kind of maybe be seen in mainstream homes or regular homes is the mini what what is commonly known as a mini split and you know here in south texas we have what's known as central air conditioning there is you know it, it's central to the home there's one big unit and there's ducting that goes to all the different rooms in your house and there's either one or two or three units that provide the cold air and and the ducting routes that through to the different parts of the house Many, many splits, and I'm not the expert here, so I'm going to let you, Daniel, take over, but many splits don't work that way. No, they're they're really designed 
Well, they can be designed for larger applications, but like add-on rooms, uh, garage enclosures, things like that. Um, the technology's changed. They're super efficient units. Uh, they're quiet, um, but there's a lot of different applications. Um, you know, apartment buildings have them sometimes. Uh, uh, some other department stores might. Um, they're getting more and more popular in the residential market, but the downside is the drainage on them. Most people don't realize there'll be a little small pump with it, and also there's a lot of freon lines that have to be run when you have multiple units. So that, those are the only downside things. And where does it get the name Mini Split? Good question. <laughs> I don't know. I've <laughs> seen it in in casitas, like mm-hmm. uh, spare bedrooms that are above garages or yes. separate from the house. I've seen them out there. I've also seen them when whoever one of the owners of the house likes to sleep in Sub-zero. polar then that's a good way to get one room very very cold right so yeah i've we visit pam and i go to a restaurant that uh has one particular room that they must have had a problem with of keeping it cool uh because they've now got a mini split in in that room and it it keeps that one section of the restaurant just you know nice and cool uh and evidently you know that was the better option than to try and rework their existing Entire. central air yeah. to try and make that room cool. So yeah, and the loads could be different. You know, when you have more people and you need a little bit of extra air conditioning, that's a better way to go. Awesome. It's awesome. like the updated version of a window, window unit, unit is really basically. what it is. Yeah. Gotcha. More attractive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I would I would I would assume I would think that they would be much more efficient than a window air conditioner. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And they're they're super efficient, super quiet. And the ones that uh, we've installed, we haven't had any issues at all. They're almost trouble-free. On the mini splits, is there a heat option also, or is it just AC? No, they make heat pump uh, applications as well. So just to note, in South Texas at least, if your space is not both heated and cooled, you cannot count it as square footage according to an appraisal. And so if you're going to put in a mini split system and that is the only unit in that room, you may want to consider heat and cool. Has the heat available to it. Absolutely. Right. Wow. So if you're like redoing your garage, turning it into a man cave. Right. In order to count it or whatever, you need to be able to cool it and heat it. And it needs to be finished out similar to the rest of the house. It can't be subpar contractor grade everything when you have a mansion like paul has you can't do <laughs> yeah yeah my mansion yeah i, I, I love this yeah okay all right well uh we are about out of time so you know daniel i'd like to say thank you for coming and being our guest today i'm sure that there's a lot of things about hvac that we didn't ask uh, but that's uh, that's okay. We'll continue to try and get our guests in here to turn your house into your home. So again, Daniel Esparza with MD Air, we appreciate you being here. And uh, Katie, it was great to see you. Uh, one thing real quick, Dan can be reached at 210-561-2665 or dan at mdairsa.com. And um, we can be reached at four, the number four, your house, your home at gmail.com. 
That's it. Guys, so again, having me it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun. Uh, Wiggins, we're looking forward to having you back in the chair very soon. And uh, thanks for joining us via phone. Enjoy your time over there in Paris. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.